too bad. I mean, like, I got, like, hella COVID relief money. Um, and so, like, I used that to move to Columbus, Ohio, which is just, like, generally, like, a cheaper place to live. And, like, in the process of that, like, I ended up, like, training, like, a kind of COVID bubble of, like, cartoonists and, like, cartoonist-adjacent people. So, like, it ended up being pretty nice. Like, I, I can't imagine having, like, a better setup as far as just, like, you know, doing things as safely as possible at the time and, like, you know, not starving. And eventually, like, I ended up working at a, a sort of, like, I don't know, just, like, a, a nice general sort of all-purpose kind of powerlifting, kind of CrossFit, kind of bodybuilding gym that's in downtown Columbus. Um, and so, like, I do that, and I teach just, like, occasionally, and, like, I do pretty fine for myself as far as, like, being able to support myself for the most part, so. Obviously, Columbus is a really vibrant cartooning community now, but it's wild that there are enough cartoonists that could really kind of keep you going, or that there are enough cartoonists interested in, in weight training that that could keep you going for a bit. Yeah, and now I've kind of, like, expanded to, like, you know, just, like, normal people <laughs> that want to, like, train, like, where I've got plenty of people, like, the, the gym just refers me as far as just, like, um, I don't know, just regular regular folks that want to do, like, some form of weight training where I'm not, like, training them to be, like, bodybuilders or anything like that. Columbus is cheaper than Pittsburgh? Um, Minneapolis is like where I was. Um, and so, yeah, it is. Cause it's just like that much more of like a weird libertarian hell state. <laughs> so in the book, you were in Pittsburgh for some time for that little like residency that I did for like a week. Um, so it's, it's sort of like something I did in the summer after I graduated and then I went back home. It seemed like you were like maybe considering moving there at some point. I think it was just, like, that kind of, like, post-grad thing where you just don't really know where you're going to be long-term. And, like, I I'd never really thought I would leave Minneapolis, but I also wasn't, like, re- like resigned to stay there. I don't know. Um, I never, never really got to, like, move away after, like, high school or, like, during college. So um, it ended up being Columbus, like, once I, once I was, like, effectively laid off because of COVID. I was like, I might as well just do this now. This is like the easiest it's going to be. You were from Oklahoma originally and then went to school in Minneapolis? And my parents like moved up to Minnesota and I was like four or five. So I was born in like basically where they filmed Twister, <laughs> um, just like the, the shittiest part of Oklahoma and then came up to Duluth, Minnesota and went to school in Minneapolis. You went to uh, to art school? Yeah, in Minneapolis. Is that a worthwhile experience? I mean, I can complain about it all I want, but like ultimately, like I feel like I'm in a good spot now, so it's sort of like any complaint anyone would have about college in America where it's like, wow, this could have been way cheaper and, you know, like it would be a lot easier if I wasn't like dealing with all this debt um after the fact and I don't know, however exploitative and fucked up it is that we have, like, comics degrees where there's no, like, can't really point to really anyone that, like, is doing well enough to maybe say that that's a great idea to to do. But at the same time, like, I really do enjoy my life now and am doing better than a lot of people who make that choice, so. Just, like, run-of-the-mill, late, late capitalism sorts of complaints? 
Yeah, nothing particularly interesting. I had Dan Klaus on the show. You know, I think the bulk of his money comes from uh, selling originals and doing illustrations. It's, it's you know, l- looking at somebody who's obviously, like, at, at the top of his game and has been for a long time, like, it's so difficult to make a living doing this. Yeah, um, and I have, like, a really supportive partner, so I'm I, like, kind of make no bones about the fact that, like, if anyone's like looking at me being like, Oh, she made it. I'm like, well, (laughs) I've made like other strategic life choices. So, um, it's not, it's not like (laughs) I've got everything figured out. The younger, the cartoonists I talk to who have been through the process of not only art school, but setting comics. And it seems to be, it it seems to have been trending in the right, right direction, you know, as, as far as like actual usable skills, but also, you know, I had a, kind of survive in life as an artist i mean kind of i feel like um it's it's it really depends on the program like i'm finding as i'm like going across the country and like visiting different comics programs like just how different everything can be just like with like the administration that the school you know there's the, the weird hoops they make you jump through to get your diploma or whatever um but like uh I don't know. Like, I also feel like uh, the education that I got even, I don't know, like not even like less than 10 years ago at this point is just so outdated where it's like I was being told to like cold call people and like make business cards and like this shit that just like makes no sense to do now. And it was only kind of just like coming around to like the best ways to game out like algorithms and things like that. Like it's always changing. So it's sort of like by the time that you graduate, like, and you would hope that you as like a younger person are kind of like glued into social media to an extent where it's not, (laughs) it's not horrible for like you as a person. It just like, you just understand how to game it for the, you know, business that you have to run essentially. But it's like, I don't know. I can't, I can't even imagine like how out of the loop, I will be in five years as far as like what, what, what I'm supposed to be doing according to the, you know, academic text. You feel like you've got a pretty good grasp on things like social media at this point though. I don't know. I, I kind of have always just like used it like a billboard as opposed to like, um, a means to engage, you know, it's just like, this is the information of where I will physically be at this time. I'm not going live, you know, on Instagram or anything. So it sounded like you went to school with some expectation of like kind of breaking into the superhero sides of things. Well, I don't, I don't even know if I really knew what I wanted to do. It's just that I was like only ever really good at drawing and like theoretically I would make comics, but I didn't really know like what I wanted to do with that. And I was not like talented enough to really go that route. But it, I don't know, it just kind of depends on, like, where your professors are sort of lying within the frame of employment. Like, Kevin Huizenga is sort of the professor I point to the most, where, I mean, like, he's the obvious answer, being that he taught me, and, like, he, you know, makes books for Drawn and Quarterly, and it's more literary than it is, like, you know, being, like, an inker or a letterer or something, you know, that's part of, like, a, a known brand and an identity that's that's like a marketing scheme um but yeah i mean like i'm like most people i think i went into school thinking that 
thinking I would do something, but not really having any idea like what that kind of life would be like or like what that would actually entail. Um, so, was Kevin a big part in in nudging you in this direction? I don't know if he was necessarily like a big part of nudging me in the direction. Um, I think that if anything, he would kind of like dissuade me from doing a lot of the things that he did because he he's definitely a not the kind of person who's like hooting and hollering on the internet and like you know trying to get eyes on the product or whatever like he was he was always kind of like doing like a do as i say not as i do as far as like trying to tell us like ways to be smart about our work but no i mean i would i would be going to small press shows because i I wanted to table at them and sell my like zines and small mini comics and stuff. And he would just be there. And like, that was not what I saw with like my other teachers. So that's the thing about him is, you know, you you mentioned the drawn quarterly stuff, but also he's been doing a lot of self publishing over the years, which is probably an immensely useful gateway to get into this world. Yeah, and something I still really like doing for the most part. So, were they memoir? Were they autobiography from the beginning? Uh, for the most part, I did a twenty-four hour comic about like a funny, a funny story <laughs> from like my college years, and that was like one of the first things that um, people really actually seemed to connect with when I was like critiquing it in college, and then I was started like selling it, and like it was a pretty easy sell for most people. So I think that like initial success, like kind of was like, okay, like I'm doing the right thing here. Like this is the right direction to go in. What was that story? A story about trying to have sex at the Orlando international airport with somebody I met in the security line. (laughs) So I don't want to do any spoilers, but it's been out for a while. How did that go? It didn't happen, but we were both mutually enthused with each other. So, um, who knows? Maybe I will someday reprint it. What kind of work were you making prior to that? I don't know. Like, I had, like, a bunch of, like, weird ideas for comics. I had, like, a um, comic about, like, a, a kid who, who had, like, the ability to, like, talk to dolphins. Or talk, talk to this one dolphin. And, like, he was a lifeguard, and I was lifeguarding at the time. Um, he he lifeguarded outside he met a dolphin and the dolphin was basically like pushing him to become like an eco-terrorist so there was like uh all these ideas i had for that and then there was one um another another nautical themed one where it was like this little (laughs) this little weird mutant fucking kid with like a shark head um where his like basically like his mom fucked aquaman and but instead of getting like a really hot sun it just got like this fucking shitty little shark headed boy um he got like the worst parts of the mermaid yeah so it was it was sort of like that um i don't know i had one i had a i had a couple like really random ones there was a lot of just like school assignments where it was kind of like make a, like a non-fiction comic and rather than doing something from my life i did like a kind of like um i don't know like nature documentary thing or something about animals I don't know. It was it was always kind of predicated upon like turning something in that was like a an inking assignment or something. It was never like particularly like oh come up with like a cool you know twelve page story or something. It was it was like early beginnings of comic school. It definitely helps to have a prompt. Yeah. The twenty four hour comic was done while you were still at school. 
Yeah, I was like a sophomore or something. I don't remember. <laughs> so you graduate, you know, it's, it sounds like by the time you graduate, you've You've got a pretty good grasp on the, the kinds of comics you you want to make. How does that how does that process how does that process start? Well, like being in art school, like you're you're dealing with like the opinions of like your teacher and then like dumb kids who are just as lost as you are, and so it's hard to to parse and understand like any kind of like direction you're supposed to be taking with your work. Um. Because a lot of the times the teachers are not necessarily giving you advice that you're hearing. Like, you only really hear, like, weird, dumb quips about, like, particular panels or little weird choices that you make that have no nothing to do with, like, your ideas or, like, your skill. So, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's kind of just, like, you sit there for, like, four hours giving feedback to people that are, like, not very talented um, and have bad ideas, have stupid, like, 19-year-old ideas about stories, about, like, most of it, when I was in college, it was just, like, th- things that just fundamentally make no sense and are not clear and are just, like, very clearly, like, this person's, you know, 400-page saga in their mind, but then they've, like, shoehorned it into an assignment that, like, has nothing to do with what they want to do. And so it's just, like a complete failure to like meet the criteria of the assignment and just like a waste of time. Now it's like kids want to make cute stories about friends who are, are nice to each other that are, have like no story at all. It's just like, they just want to make like cutesy feel good stories that are usually like this person is non-binary and queer and, and they have a good friend. And I'm like, well, do they do anything? You know, like it's not, there's no conflict. There's nothing like going on at all. It's just like a cute style of drawing that they want to do. But yeah, like, I mean, I, ton, ton, me, me drawing like hyenas that die in a bushfire narrated by David Attenborough and I put it in front of these other people and they're just like, I like how you did the fire. Just in no way, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, part of it being like, let me do something that's like wild for shock factor. Cause like more likely than not, I'm like high during class and I don't give a fuck about what any of these people think. I'd be like, people are laughing at it and like actually reacting to it in some way. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> When you put it like that, between the students and the a lot of the professors not giving you particularly useful feedback, what what was the main what was the main thing you got out of it? it was just kind of forcing yourself to sit down and make this stuff? Yeah, I mean, being accountable is a big part of it. Um, I think just like if you even if like the assignment or the feedback's bad, it's just sort of like going into your like ten thousand hours of drawing that you have to do to like be good at something it's trying out stuff it's meeting people that like you know i i've gone on this tour and i've like met a handful of people that i've went to college with and like were you know part of my like freshman foundation year that like have nothing to do with what i do now but are like still good friends so it's just like the college experience which is like invaluable i would say um but yeah i mean like kevin I had multiple classes with him. There's plenty of things that like, you know, I talked to him about like off hours that were like 
not related to class that helped me. Um, and you know, just like in the way of like you show up and they're like, you know, there's like a zine fest this weekend and you're like, no, I didn't know I'm going to go now. Cool. So the younger artists you're talking about who are making these, uh, stories about good friends being good friends with each other. Are, are these, are these students you're teaching? Yeah, for the most part. Do you give them advice? Do you attempt to uh, kind of push them in the direction of adding at least a little bit of conflict to their stuff? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't, like, I try and try and do no harm at the very least. Like, I I give them feedback and let them know what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm just speaking to the fact that it just seems like a trend to some extent where it's like, um, it's a lot of... Uh, this meets that in an irreverent fantasy. Irreverent. <laughs> or I'm like, what do you mean by that? Like where they're trying to describe it. And it's just, it's the kind of, I don't know. It's just what's in the air and the water for them. Probably just like coming out of COVID and doing some part of like high school, like online where it's like the maximum utility of like any of this content for them is just purely escapism from the fact that like everything is fucking terrible. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I try and meet people where they're at, where it's, like, I have, like, a handful of, like, really talented students who are, you know, I'm I'm trying to, like, just broaden their horizons as far as, like, showing them, like, good books and movies and stuff and not, like, necessarily taking ownership or, you know, or, like, trying to steer them in whatever way I think is right and just being, like, you need to make your own choices and, like, figure out what you need to do because, like you're an adult theoretically and then the rest of them it's like okay well you just like clearly are having trouble in all of your classes and you are not able to like function at an adult level because you just like don't know how to do your laundry and eat and go to bed on time so like you know we need to just make quick choices about what we're going to do for our assignments and not like sit there and sigh and groan for 45 minutes because I've asked you to like come up with an idea. Um, so it, it becomes a little bit more like kids gloves as far as just being like, okay, like I'm reminding you, this is when this is due. <laughs> so if the assignment is like, basically like, Hey, make a comic with a story. And that's something that elicits sighs and groans for people. You, you have to wonder ultimately why they're doing this. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they, they have, less of an idea sometimes sometimes they have more but it's like i i don't want to be too judgmental considering you know i came in not really having things figured out i had more of my like per my adult life figured out like i i knew how to pay rent and like have a job which a lot of them don't do so like that is great and that gives you the stability to then like do things that are you know like creatively challenging so I don't know. You touch on something interesting there. Um, it hadn't occurred to me, but once you said it, it's it's very obvious in hindsight that these these students that you have. I mean, obviously, like all of us, kind of effectively lost like you know two or three years of our lives. But they they did it at like what what was supposed to be like peak socialization time. So I mean, that must have really got them out of whack and 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 maybe maybe because of that maybe it's not surprising to that like 
the story of two people being friends is is in fact a compelling story to them. Right. Well, and also, like, there's just nowhere for them to really go. Like, none of them have driver's licenses, and there's not, like, a mall for them anymore. There's no, like, free areas to, to hang out, so they just are on their phones all the time. So, like, that that wasn't going to be any different, but... I've never actually been to Columbus, but I always assumed there was a, a, a little bit going on over there. I'm teaching them in person. I'm only teaching, like, every now and then. Like, right now, I'm not teaching. I'm doing, like, a book tour and stuff, but... When I am teaching, I'm in person. When you said that they weren't um, able to go out and do anything, you, me- you meant specifically during the pandemic. Well, I mean, like, just kids don't do anything anymore. Like, I mean, like, you might have some that, like, play sports or something or, like, I don't know, do do some sort of academic shit. But, like, kids don't go to a mall. There aren't malls anymore that they go to. They don't, like, they get yelled at for, like, being in any public space because they're just, like, sitting around. They play, like, video games, and they, like, don't do anything. <laughs> I feel like loitering was a very formative teenage experience for me. Yeah, and, like, and no one does it anymore. Like, unless, like, you're a smoker or something, which n- there's not a lot of those. Well, there's a lot of vapors, right? Right, but you can do that inside. <laughs> what attracted you to Columbus? The Billy Ireland Cartoon Museum is here. Like, I'd already made a lot of inroads with people that had lived here for a while. Like, the comics department at the school was pretty new but it's yeah it's it's just that much cheaper um the show here cartoon crossroads is like blowing up Mm -hmm. to some extent um it's closer to the east coast where it's you know five six hour drive to get to philadelphia or whatever and new york and toronto all these other places minnesota is just like really far from everything as far as the stories that you tell, I mean, it sounds like from pretty much from the get-go, or at least pretty much from the uh, the twenty-four hour comic, that you weren't you weren't afraid to be deeply personal on the page. Yeah, with with what I'm comfortable talking about, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's that that's fair, but you know, it is it is it, these these are personal things, and these these aren't things that like everybody feels comfortable putting out into the world. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was in my 20s, so I don't really think about it as much as maybe I should have. Just in order to really sort of tell your story, you've, th- these are the kinds of things that you have to tell. They're like a big, they're, they're a big piece of that. Um, I mean, I, in the book, I talk about uh, the kind of, I don't know, I want to like say like sex work in quotes or whatever, being that like I did like sugar baby shit and... There's a MMA fighter in there that, like, I fucked around with who is sort of, like, this non-relationship that I'm exploring as far as, like, kind of, like, broadening his character out. Um, uh, yeah, and a bunch of family trauma and shit as far as just, I don't know, generations of, of people who have had a hard go of it and then, like, having a dad who molests you as a child. Um yeah, I mean, there's plenty of that. <laughs> Why sex work in quotes? Because it's confusing to say that because no one knows what you mean when you say that. Like, people think I did OnlyFans or, you know, sell feet pictures or were an escort. You know, like, it's such a broad term. 
and I really, I don't know, like, there's plenty of people that, like, don't feel comfortable using that term, and there's plenty of people that do and are, like, insistent that you use it as opposed to anything else, and I don't know, I'm just serving myself and saying that, like, you know, like, I did what is traditionally called being a sugar baby, which is still confusing for plenty of people who, like, don't really know the difference between that and, like, a prostitute, um, and so, and, and now that I'm like, you know, I'm like, I've fucking retired, you know, <laughs> I'm not doing it anymore. So it's sort of like, I don't keep up with whatever the lingo is like, you know, as of this year. Um, so it's just kind of like, I'm not, I'm not trying to claim anything that I'm not here or confuse people. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like overall, how was that experience for you? It was fine. I mean, like I said, like I'm, I retired from it. I, it's not something that I'd love my own children to do, um, but it's the kind of thing where everyone has an opinion about it, and, like, I'm not, again, like, trying to claim I'm anything for the purposes of, like, saying, this book is about that. Like, I think ultimately, like, this book is about, like, being the age I was and just having, like, a myriad of different things that I'm juggling all at once, where it's, like, this is, like, how this kind of person, like, walks through life and, like, has to walk through life sometimes and how frustrating that can be. Um, But, like, ultimately, it's not, like, woe is me to the extent of, like, a bunch of, like, 100 pages of me crying about how difficult X and Y is. It's more so about, like the verbs of life and like doing things and like making choices in reading this it sounds like there are there are certain instances of of you kind of getting pushback as far as um the kind of kinds of comics you wanted to make i mean there was there was a uh a professor who said something like uh what is it like don't expect to get by on this broke girl shit which like did, did you find that there were a lot of people that you respected in that world, or at least that you interacted with in, in, within that world that tried to push you in a different direction. I, I don't know. I think you're getting like critique on all sides being an art school. And I think that like, I ultimately really did value that advice because it was kind of like, you don't want to be a circus clown who is constantly like, look at me, everybody, like, look how funny this is and be really self-deprecating about everything because it just, it just doesn't really age well. And there are, like, things that you're going to regret about it that may or may not be, like, what everyone will think you'll regret. But it's it's kind of, it's just, like, there's not, no benefit of being, like, LOL, I suck over and over again. Um, it doesn't make self-esteem happen or stay. So, um... Yeah, I mean, there's plenty, there's people like, there was people telling me that, and then there's people telling me not to even make comics. So it was kind of like, there was plenty of, of like, advice to sort through to be like, what is actually beneficial here? I was surprised to see that bit about Frank, where he seemed like he was kind of, uh, I don't know, being, being fairly pessimistic about it. I don't know. I mean, I... I think he said that to like a, quite a few people, basically. So it wasn't really about me. No. <laughs> the pushback from the professor was less about broadly 
the subject matter you're covering and more about how you were covering it. Yeah. And also just like, don't be a fucking loser. Like, I don't know. Like I, that's kind of how I took it where it's just like, I mean, that's good advice. Yeah. Like, I mean, don't, don't seek out situations that you think will be funny to make comics about that are to your detriment, I think is ultimately like what that kind of felt like for me. That's a really fair point. And I've talked to a lot of people who I think, fall into that trap was that something that you were actually doing at any point no but i also think that like to the outside perspective like i don't know like i would leave class to like sell weed like all the time and like it was pretty obvious to like most people that were watching me and and if anyone called me out on it i'd be like i need fucking money like what the fuck are you gonna tell me like i was super bullheaded and like stubborn about it and like I don't know, like, I got plenty of people that were making assumptions about me being like, oh, you're in art school, so you must have money, and you're just, like, doing this for clout. I'm like, I have no money. Like, I don't know what the fuck you think I am. Like, um, I, yeah, like, I mean, I'm doing a lot of these things because, like, I'm not thinking about my well-being. Like, I'm not considering the fact that, like, what I'm doing you know, with, with a stranger or whatever it could be to my detriment. Like, I'm just saying like, it's going to be fine. And there was times it was, and there was times it wasn't like, it's, it's not, it's something that I don't hate myself for. And I don't necessarily regret because like, these are like the choices I was making at the time being like the person I was like, I have empathy for those kinds of people, but like, it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, I, I want to tell stories about, about being this age and this time and some other people will be of a similar mind and I'm not scolding them. I'm just saying what's happening. So you found that people generally were fairly judgmental when it came to this stuff? No, I think just like an art school, like where, you know, you're all like 18 to 22 years old or something. And you just have like a bunch of, poorly adjusted people all trying to get graded, you know? And, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily get that now at all. Um, certainly not from like people I actually care about or listen to. So I think these are things that, you know, even if you haven't experienced them personally are, are highly relatable to a lot of people, especially these days, you know, in terms of like having to do what you can in order to survive. Yeah, and, like, there's, there's like, people who will say, like, you know, oh, well, you, you know, there's easier ways to make money than this or that, and maybe so, but this is, like, how how I ended up playing my hand. The personal training, that's your, uh, that's your main gig at this point? Well, comics are my main gig right now. Um, it will be back in, like, January, but, um, yeah, I'm, like, I've, I'm going to Seattle tomorrow, I have been traveling since this early September and yeah, I mean, I'm doing a lot of like talking to colleges and selling books at shows and selling art and stuff. So it's less like the actual comics and it's more about sort of the things around the comics. Yeah. Just like the things that I try and do coordinated with the release of a book. So it's like, okay, I'm going to go make another book for like four years. Like goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Is that how long it took to make this one? Um, not quite that long. I wrote it like 2020 
started making it like at the end of 2020. Um, and then I finished it this year in January. So that seems like a good time to really, if you're focused to sit down and, and start working on this. Cause you know, like, like you said earlier, there just wasn't a ton going on then. Yeah. And I made a bunch of like other small press, like mini comics and stuff too. So I definitely was nice to just rip through a bunch of stuff. So you found that you were productive during that period? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was <laughs> remarking the other day. Cause like I, I, I never stopped like dyeing my hair and shaving my legs and like working out and like making work. Um, like this has been being, being on tour, like for like two months now has been like the longest I've not been working on anything or like drawing since I graduated from college. Um, and it's, it's good. It's fine. I don't feel like anxious about it or anything, but it's like, uh, <laughs> kind of just being like, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like uh, all the things I do are pretty much like for myself. <laughs> um, as far as like making sure my hair is pretty brushed. <laughs> it sounds like working out is something that you genuinely enjoy. And that is a big piece of your identity. Yeah. Um, it, it just certainly helps keep me like, well, keep all my ducks in a row. I'd say just in terms of what, like just being focused on things. Yeah. I think that like the time I spend between sets, just like planning out, my day and like I'll send emails from the gym on my phone just being like, okay, I should do this. I should do that. And like, yeah, like slowing down, thinking about things like moving my body, breathing and like, it's just, it's helpful to do something like that. Is the process of, of actually uh, weightlifting? Is it, is it a meditative one at all? I don't know, like, I'm focused, so I guess so. But, like, I don't really... I'm not a person who really meditates. So, I don't know if I can use that word or something, but... You're not really able to be productive as far as drawing or writing on the road? I am so busy. Um, I'm so busy. I cannot... It's not worth, like... I have I have work on giant pages, like comically huge boards, and I have to like light table all of the things all of the time. Um, it's not feasible. Like I had brought plenty of stuff to work on, and I've not been able to open it because I'm like I have to go work out and like clean my clothes and do all the things I have to do regularly. But like I have to essentially like live out of my car, so yeah. Do you have a good sense of what's next? Yeah, I'll have like a whole other book in like five years or something. <laughs> That'll be like the follow up to this. 